Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Zippy the Wonder Snail. It is so good to be with you. It's been way too long, and Comrade Jason is here with me to take us through the news and culture that matter to you. Uh, Comrade, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Tim? I am great. I am so glad to be back. I have missed being in the hot seat alongside you as we zip with the fastest snail on Earth. (laughs) Fast indeed. Yes, and we have a lot to cover today, so we'll zoom right on into it. We we had to talk about what are we going to even cover because it's been so long since we've been in an episode of Zippy that almost two months actually. Um, there, there's been a lot that's going on, but we're going to hit some things that are going on primarily right now. And to start that off, let's go ahead and talk about the big shakeup at Fox News, comrade. What's going on over there? Yeah, well, Tucker Carlson, who is the biggest star at Fox News, or he was, um, has been removed. Um, he's he's mutually parted ways with Fox News, and the precipitating cause was Fox News settling a defamation lawsuit with uh, Dominion Voting Systems, uh, and they were part of the conspiracist claims about the 2020 election uh and carlson amplified those and so to preserve whatever clarity they uh still have and to increase their um credibility going forward fox news has parted ways with their big star tucker carlson and also uh cnn has parted ways with don lemon who in some ways is no less controversial so those were the big two uh, two firings or um, moves this week in the world of cable news. Yeah, the two really big shakeups. And I, I kind of wondered if we'd see both of them, especially it seemed like a spe- once Don Lemon went after women with his just crazy comment about Tulsi, not Tulsi Gabbard. I have Tulsi Gabbard on the brain. Uh, too too much thought about Carlson and those who think like him, but rather Nikki Haley and suggested that she was quote unquote past her prime. It, it seemed like Lemon's days had to be numbered, but um, I'm still kind of surprised it happened. I'm even more surprised in some ways that Carlson is out. And yet, reading through the the filings, Comrade, did you get to look at some of the the filings from the Dominion lawsuit? They were incredibly disturbing, what what we saw behind the scenes about Carlson. I, I didn't look through any of those, so it's probably way worse than I even realized. Uh, way worse, I'd say, on, on the level that wherever you might fall on your view of the 2020 election, it would seem as though Carlson didn't believe the vast majority of the stuff he was saying on the air. And a lot of the people he, he amplified, he was was in writing saying behind the scenes how horrible they were. So when you look at some of the lawyers for the Trump the Trump campaign that he was bringing on, he was talking about how they were destructive. He he noted in texts how much he hated Donald Trump even as he was on the air saying that those who opposed him were trying to destroy the country. Uh basically in other words, the the persona of Carlson that we saw on the air uh was just that. It was a picture that he realized could be marketed well, but the Carlson off the air was an almost completely different sounding voice. 
I am ultimately not surprised by any of this because in some other challenges um, and lawsuits against Carlson and even some other figures at Fox News, they admit um, in those proceedings uh, that they are entertainers and they don't necessarily see themselves as having an obligation to the truth like a journalist. So when challenged legally, they will make the argument that um, they're they're not bound by strictures of factual accuracy because they are entertainers, uh, which I don't think bodes very well for the future of cable news, even in an opinion uh, vein. So that, that they would even put forth those sorts of legal theories and legal arguments is itself kind of disturbing. It really is. And I think it disturbs me because I, I know so many people who see Carlson as essentially the hero for their cause, uh, someone who's going to champion how they view the world. And, and if you look at what he has to say, it seems like he really holds a lot of these people and their views in contempt. Um, he did say some things behind the scenes that, seem to imply that he respects his viewers and yet not their ideas. And, and if he were saying the things he, w- he was saying off the air, on the air, I think many of the same people who rushed his defense would never even listen to him. They, they, they'd view him worse than anything you would hear on the left-leaning side of MSNBC or CNN or what have you. So Yeah, I agree. Kind of a, a sad fall to someone that you and I were both talking about. We had a, a fair amount of respect for earlier on in his career as more of an intellectual political commentator. Yeah, that's right. I think in the last few years, um, Tucker went away from who he was 10 or 15 years ago. Uh maybe for financial reasons, maybe for reasons of popularity, and those are interconnected. Um, But it's even hard to figure out, you know, what are Tucker Carlson's actual views? Um, I I think only Tucker Carlson would know. Right. So the the other thing I think that people didn't pay a lot of attention to, but I'd say is a good way to tell if someone is crazy or not, is how much the Russian media appreciates that person. And I I mentioned to you before the show that I've been following a Twitter account by a journalist that does translation of the Russian news channel so that the the rest of the world can see what's being discussed in Russia. And one of the the notable and disturbing things is that Tucker so often said the same thing that that the Russian government believes, that they would on a regular basis, probably almost every day, be playing clips of what Carlson was saying on his Fox News show to the audience in Russia to help bolster Vladimir Putin and, and his viewpoint. So generally speaking, if you find that 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 Putin and those who are under his control, if, if they're applauding what you're saying, you're probably not doing things right. Yeah, we, we both agree on that point that uh, Vladimir Putin is bad news and his governance of russia is bad news for the world and uh he's just a bad actor so to to be trumpeting his lines and parroting his lines is not what we want any commentator to do uh no matter what your views are on other things so too bad for tucker and 
now there's this huge void at Fox News, which they're going to have to fill. It will be interesting to see what happens with that. That bumper music was different. It really was. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but I do know I have a lot of feelings and opinions about the Supreme Court. And, Comrade, we wanted to talk next about one Supreme Court justice in particular, one who's found himself embroiled in an ethics scandal of sorts, and that is Clarence Thomas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think a lot of this stems from uh, his wife's activities his wife's political activities, especially related to January 6th and some of the private opinions she shared. And some critics are saying that this would compromise Justice Thomas's ability to serve on the court, his objectivity in certain cases, even cases that would involve defendants from the events of January 6th. So um, I have not closely followed uh, the ex- ethics charges, so you'll have to you'll have to take that part of it. But um, as we were saying off the air, you know, Justice Thomas is basically saying and writing the same things that he's always written. So if there's some uh, quid pro quo or something, uh, I can't see it, and neither can you. Right, and and that's and this goes back, I, I think, really to where we need to back off of our ideological mudslinging that we do. I don't care if you think that Clarence Thomas is the best Supreme Court justice or the worst. You can look at him, especially as someone who's been on the court for as long as he has. He's been on it for three decades now. You can look at what he has written over the years. We know his record. We know his his viewpoint and his approach to things. And I think we can say pretty clearly, Clarence Thomas sounds like Clarence Thomas. And what you'd be looking for if you think that someone has bought influence with Thomas, either through his wife or, you know, the big blow up right now is through these gifts that Harlan Crow, who's a Texas billionaire, has given in these lavish trips that the Thomases have been able to take. What you'd be looking for with these things is, do you see a change in Thomas's rulings? Do you see him acting out of character, uh, ruling in a way that we wouldn't have originally expected? Um, is he taking cases that directly involve those who have given him gifts? Those sorts of things. And I, I think for the most part, not even for the most part, I, I th- it's to the best of my knowledge, no one has produced an example where Thomas appears to have been swayed from what we expect Thomas to do. And does it make all this seem nice and clean and and neat? Not necessarily. Um, It probably would have been best if he were receiving large gifts, even if it's purely from someone who's a friend that he might have disclosed that. But it, it feels a lot like much to do about nothing when you really look at it and it doesn't seem to have changed anything. And, and you know that the people that would love to see Thomas out are scouring, looking for some way that they can say, here's where Thomas altered his opinion because he was bought off. And I cannot remember the last time I've heard someone say, I'm shocked that Thomas ruled this way. It didn't seem like the way that he would rule. Thomas is very consistent (laughs) and very predictable. Yeah. 
even if you find him very annoying or even worse, uh, you can't say that he's surprising. You, you can't even really say that he's innovative. So I, I think along these lines, this is the same um, problem that I had with the idea of campaign finance reform, because everybody loves to say that that uh, money has a corrupting influence on politics. But every time you look at these financial relationships in politics, these groups that give this money give it to guys that would have voted the exact same way and so on and so forth. And and how are we going to decide if money is a tool to facilitate our own First Amendment rights of speech and freedom of association? How do we exactly tell people that they can't use that tool to facilitate their views, their speech, their freedom of association? So I've always had that same that same gripe with so-called finance campaign finance reform, as some of these charges against Thomas would be. Um, if Thomas is still Thomas, uh, maybe these gifts are unseemly in some way, but I, I don't see anything actionable in terms of removing Thomas or even forcing him to recuse himself. I agree, comrade. Uh, comrade, I know there is more you would like to say about Justice Thomas, his theories around substantive due process, and so on. So let's go ahead. We'll do another segment on Justice Thomas next episode. How's that sound? That sounds good to me, Tim. Sponsored by Faith Tree Grow, and I am really pleased to announce to our listeners today that Faith Tree Grow has just gotten a massive improvement. It shouldn't even be Faith Tree Grow 2.0. It is Faith Tree Grow 2000.0 or something like that. Because what we're seeing here is we're going from a, a tool that I really believe is useful that has devotionals from different voices around the country and around the world that you can search for a passage and then see devotional content that relates to to that passage to something brand new by the incorporation of the faith tree bible bot ai and and here's what that really means for for our listeners and anyone that wants to use it if you ever have that passage that that you kind of can think of but you can't quite think of where it is and you can't quite think of the right wording let's say for example tonight we were talking about in men's bible study when the disciples want to call fire down on some people. And you can't think of the exact wording, but you can think of the disciples call fire down on some people. You type that into the search box and using the advanced AI technology incorporated into the new faith tree grow, it will figure out what passage you want to see and bring it up. It doesn't just stop there though. Not only can you type in, I want a passage about God's peace. I want a passage that would be nice to read on a rainy day. You can type in all those sorts of things. The next thing it will do is it will use AI technology to provide biblical commentary on whatever passage you load. 
So if you want commentary on a single verse, it will comment on that verse. If you want to take several verses, not necessarily in the way that a normal commentary would break them down, and you want someone to comment on them, it will generate commentary from just a straightforward, here's what the passage is about standpoint, from a theological standpoint, or from a literary standpoint. This, this is a tool that I believe there isn't really anything else like it, and it's available for our listeners at grow.faithtree.com. Every listener who signs up for a free faithtree.com account will get five free searches per month. There is a cost to doing AI processing. So if you want more than five searches, all that FaithTree asks is that you donate at least $2 a month to the FaithTree ministry. It's a 501c3. It's tax deductible, all those good things uh, like that. And as long as you make a donation of at least $2 a month or a, a, a annual donation that averages out to at least $2 a month, you will get unlimited searches on the new Bible by AI. So check it out today, grow.faithtree.com. I needed to hear the music. You like that music? Yeah, I I needed to hear that music. That I was waiting for the music. I knew we couldn't go on without the music. You got to have the bumper music and we just, you know, we have a very fine music department here at Zippy the Wonder Snail that that works hard to produce the finest bumper music in the world. <laughs> the the crack team of one. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Well, uh, anyway, we, uh, you and I, we are often knee deep into politics. We're certainly addicted to it. Uh, but addiction is a very serious thing. And comrade, you thought that we should talk about it. It's certainly a big topic for our country right now. There's rampant addiction of all different sorts. Um, but it seems like, uh, most of us are being touched by it because it is affecting so many of those around us, our loved ones, our family, our friends, our neighbors. And so comrade, why don't you go ahead and get us started on this conversation? Well, I I just think, like you said, it's, it's a horrible scourge upon our country and upon the individuals, uh, that many of us know and love. And we've even lost those to this horrible, horrible affliction and disease. And it, it calls forth from us a mixture of, of pity, but also sadness and, and other types of lament and grief because we can't seem to help our loved ones out of it. And a lot of us, when we've, when we've lost someone in this way, we have these feelings of guilt, like we didn't do enough. Um, and I'm here to tell you that you shouldn't feel that way. Um, because you can only do what you can do. And the person who is afflicted is still responsible. Um, and, and you are not responsible, but. The other aspect of that is I want the listeners to be encouraged that God does not give up on those who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and other things. Um, he loves them and he doesn't 
say that he wants nothing to do with them anymore. He he is full of mercy. And when we are caring for someone with an addiction, we need to be, by God's grace, through prayer, full of that same mercy. We need to love the person in front of us, not to be totally angry all the time with the person they're showing us in their addiction, because that is not who that person is. That is not who that person is. Even if they're in some sense still accountable for everything they're doing and failing to do because of their addiction, uh, we love the person that they ought to be, that, that God has been calling them to be, not the person that they are in the throes of their addiction. But also, there's a wrestling with, okay, well, how do I keep distance? How do I not enable what I'm seeing? How do I become a positive force? And there are no easy answers to those questions. But know that God is there. He is there in the valley of the shadow of death with the person who is addicted, with those who love them, with those who try to help them, the professionals, the pastors, um, everything. Uh, God has not forsaken any of us in these terrible scenarios. Um, and he has not forsaken us in our grief um, and our wishing that things were different because God has always desired that things would be different uh, than somehow sometimes they turn out to be in these kinds of situations. So be encouraged. You're not alone. You're not a failure if you're helping someone through an addiction or you have helped someone in the past. Uh, you're not fully responsible. All you can do is pray to the Lord and pray for the grace to to love them well and not to give up hope. I I don't know if I'm saying anything worthy tonight, but I wanted to share those words with the listeners. Maybe somebody out there is is going through that with someone. Maybe you're addicted yourself. Please get help. Um, get help from the Lord. Get help from a pastor. Get help from uh, a professional, a counseling professional, an addiction specialist, all that stuff. Psychiatrist, maybe even, if you need that help. Get help. You're not alone. It's not over. All those things. So just some encouragement in this very, very tough situation that I know many of us have dealt with. And we probably will again. So, so thanks for allowing me to uh, share on that. Thank you for sharing, comrade. And I, I love several of the different things that you bring up. Um, because uh, just as a starting point, I, I think a lot of times once people find themselves in a place of addiction, there are so many conflicting emotions inside of them that make it harder to get help. And part of that's the fact that the addiction makes them feel good, but part of it also is that the addiction makes them feel so unworthy. And so if you're you're convinced that you're so displeasing to God and to other people, it can be very hard to go and get the help that you need. And to know that God doesn't give up on us uh, when we find ourselves in such a place. And, and to an extent, that's true of all of us, right? Because we're all in this life addicted to sin. And that's not to make light of the sorts of addictions that we talk about um, breaking like um, drugs or alcohol or, or what have you, those sorts of ones. 
Um, but rather to say all of us do an awful lot of things that we know we shouldn't do and we think we're going to overcome and we can't. And so that's where God's grace comes in. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to overcome sin in general. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to overcome addiction in general. But it does mean that we shouldn't allow the evil one to say, God's never going to want you back. No one's ever going to want to help you. You're just useless and a failure if you've fallen into this. Um, the second thing that you said that really strikes me that I think is so important for people to hear is it's okay as a believer, if you're struggling with addiction, to go get professional help. There's nothing wrong with someone who's a Christian saying, yes, I'm coming to God in prayer. Yes, I'm talking to people at church, but I'm also going to go get help from a inpatient rehab program. I'm going to go get help from a psychologist. I'm going to seek these different means because God has gifted people with the 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 understanding and the knowledge to help with these things. That this is part of God's good gift to, to this earth that He's made people able to figure out how to help other people. And, and just as it, there's no shame in a believer going and say having a heart operation if there's something wrong with your heart. There's no shame in going and getting help if you're addicted to a substance or you're addicted to an activity or whatever it might be. Going and getting help from from professionals who who understand it. Uh, I, I, there's a certain bent I think in 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 different swaths of the church that that feel like that's somehow doubting God's ability to heal, um, and it's not that at all. Oftentimes, God heals through those whom He's gifted to offer healing services. Um, and there's absolutely no shame in, in going and getting help. That's right. And, and thank you for clarifying that there. I, I think a certain segment, maybe of our listeners would be confused on that point. And just to speak that out clearly and, and put that out there, give somebody the confidence uh, to seek that help or to help someone else find that help. So thank you for that. And uh, we, we have, motives for saying this tonight um and for saying this when we are saying this but it is an ever it is an ever present problem for us in the church and in our world in general so uh it's always worth talking about even if it's hard to talk about and this is what we're here to do we have fun stuff we have you know political stuff and sports stuff but sometimes we have serious topics and this is one of those things we don't want to forget that's out there because um, it is touching a lot of our lives and uh, we we can't run from it. And Jesus is the light of the world. He doesn't want us to, to live in darkness about any of this stuff. He wants to bring his light um, and he wants to go with us in all the challenges that we face. Amen, comrade. I can't say it any better than that. Comrade, our second sponsor for the show tonight is none other than faithtree.com weather desk. And here we are, we're coming into the just the cusp of the vacation season. People will be traveling, going to different parts of the country and the world. 
And whether you're traveling 200 miles, whether you're traveling 50 miles, whether you're not traveling at all, or you are literally traveling halfway across the world, faithtree.com weatherdesk is there for you. And unlike so many places around the web where you might go and look up your weather, faithtree.com weather does not turn you into a product. It's not created to track you. You're not going to see ads all around the internet advertising whatever place you happen to look up the weather for. It is just there to help you. And and I, I love the idea of being able to go and get the next few days forecast, actually 10 days, get in-depth details about those days, see the radar, and even see a scripture that relates to the current weather conditions wherever you look up, and do it all without advertising. So check it out, faithtree.com slash weather. Comrade, we always love to spend some time in the Word before we wrap up tonight, or wrap up any night, and how about we take a look at Job 19, 25, and 26 tonight? Yeah, that sounds good to me. How about you read it for us, Tim? I would be glad to. So here we find it in the ESV. Uh, verse 25 says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Actually, let's look at 27 as well. He goes on and Job says, Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Well, and it it gives me echoes of other scriptures uh, in Isaiah. And all flesh shall see it together, the day of the Lord. Um, but to know that my Redeemer lives, this takes us right to Jesus and the resurrection. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the verification that he is alive. It is the certification of his message, and it is the vindication of his promises to us. So he has risen, therefore our faith is not in vain. And we will rise, I think, is the is the message of this verse. We will rise and we will see the Lord with our eyes, however that's going to work. Um, that's mysterious. But this, our faith is a resurrection faith. If Christ has not been raised, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, your faith is vain. Uh, but he has been raised. So our faith is not vain. And it's as strong as it could possibly be. In fact, the resurrection of Christ and therefore the message of Christ is the truest thing in the universe. It is the truest fact, the truest reality, because Jesus is God. He is the Son of the Father who has come for us. And his resurrection defeated all the powers of death and the powers and principalities of the evil one. And we stand in the glory of that light, that victorious light of his rising and appearing to his disciples and then commissioning them with his message of salvation and reconciliation for the entire world. Um, What a glorious truth. Uh, Sometimes I use too many big words on this show, 
I hope something that I say gets through, you know. Um, but thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead for us. Thank you for being our living redeemer, not Amen. just uh, not just a memory, not just a page in a book, however beautiful that book may be, our yes. living redeemer, and yes. therefore we shall live. Amen. And you know, I love what you're saying and, and what, what Paul brings up in that, that chapter you were referring to, 1 Corinthians 15, what we see here it keeps coming back to that the heart of that living Redeemer and the confidence we can have in him. And, and I think that's what strikes me so much here. Job is in the midst of the worst of trials. It, everything seems to be coming crashing down. Of course, his friends are busy trying to somehow blame it all on Job. And, and yet, while Job can't understand it, while God feels in some sense distant, I think, to the extent that Job says, I don't know why this is happening to me. Well, it shouldn't be happening to me, th things of that nature. What Job can say is that he, he knows that there's going to be a solution because he hasn't lost sight of the fact that God is in control and that he will encounter him. And, and to me, that provides us with so much hope. We, we find ourselves in a world where so much is broken, whether it's the political system, we, we hit on that in several different ways tonight. Whether it's addiction, we, we hit on that tonight. There's a million other ways that those joining us tonight are, are thinking about ways that their their lives feel broken, their their hopes and dreams feel broken, maybe their health feels broken. But we can join Job in saying, in the midst of that, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And, and Job realizes even if his own life is taken away from him, his skin has been destroyed, yet he will in my flesh, yet I in my flesh I will see God. And that's the heart here of this, of, of, of 1 Corinthians 15. We see it again in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, that constant hope woven throughout Scripture that what's broken now won't stay broken. And, and the resurrection that we just celebrated at Easter is right at the heart of that, right? Because you take that away, you don't know that you're going to encounter Jesus in the future. It doesn't seem very hopeful. But if we keep our eyes on that, whatever feels broken right now, whatever our listeners might be struggling with right now in this moment as they're listening. Maybe they're listening to Zippy tonight to kind of escape that for a few minutes or, a few, or close to an hour. Whatever that might be, God isn't done, and we too will have that opportunity. And so what a wonderful time to trust in him and say, I want to be in your presence, God. I want to, to experience your redemption because I want to come into your presence someday as someone who hears you say, I'm your beloved son, your beloved daughter. Amen. And the thing is, let's add another aspect to this. Or you you were kind of hinting at it. I'll, I'll sharpen it a bit. We don't have to say that our suffering is not real. You know, when we hope in Christ, when we trust in him, when we hope in things to be fixed, we don't have to just, oh, everything's great. Or even everything will be great. We can say it's a struggle. But, you know, Christ himself carried the cross. Christ himself carried the cross. So when we are suffering, and if we are suffering, Christ is right there. It is the suffering Christ. It is the wounded Christ with us. But also 
as he did in Revelation as the as the lamb standing as if slain. He's still the victorious Christ, even when he meets us in our suffering. Um, that That is something worth writing home about. That'll get you up out of bed in the morning. That'll start your prayer in the morning. That'll keep you praying throughout the day. Um, let's meditate on that um, this week, this month, um, until we come back for Zippy again. I can't think of a better place to end than that. What a wonderful truth that we find in Scripture and a truth that is relevant to each and every one of us. We certainly have hit on some pretty hard topics tonight, had a little political fun at the beginning as well, but whether we're joyful in the moment or we're struggling at the moment, whether we're celebrating or grieving, we can know that Jesus is in control and that he will return that we can be in his presence and celebrate that. We're so glad to have you here on Zippy the Wonder Snail. I hope that if you haven't already, that you will subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting source, whether it's the Apple Podcast Store, whether it is Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're there. And we will have another episode coming up soon. This was far too long. We don't intend to be so long next time. And so subscribe so that you get the next episode as soon as it comes out. Of course, you can also access the archive of every single Zippy episode at zippythewondersnail.com, which brings me to one last point for the night, comrade. That archive has gotten decently large because we are celebrating. You ready for this? We are celebrating not one year's, but somehow, I don't know how we've gotten there already. We are at the second anniversary of Zippy the Wonder Snail. Isn't that just absolutely amazing? I am astonished. I never thought that when we started this that we would even get that far. Uh, some may be begging us to stop, but we've <laughs> we've made it two years. And who knows, maybe several more years. Who knows? That's certainly my goal. Uh, that wasn't the sound effect I was looking for. It was a surprise. It wasn't <laughs> quite what I had in mind, but certainly in some ways it has been a surprise, but I always enjoy joining a you, comrade, to explore the news and culture that matter to two Christian guys and I think to our listeners as well. And I look forward to doing it again in year three. So let's look forward to that. And very soon we, we will return for the very next episode.